The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Disability Law Show. Hey, hey, welcome once again, Disability Law Show. The weekend is upon us, but we have things to discuss over the next half hour. So, uh, so strap in and stay with us. You want to reach out any time to Albert or Savant Savant, Tamarkin co-founding partner, Sam Firu, Tamarkin LLP. By the way, the most positively reviewed law firm overall in the country. Check it out. Albert Klein partner there as well. Willing to talk to you, discuss clear up gray area a lot of misinformation a lot of ignorance and it's it's not a negative thing it's it's a it's a busy and complex topic that's why we always offer the number to you to call uh, any time when we're not doing the show and at least have a chat won't cost you anything just get some clarity that's 1-855-821-5900 help at disabilityrights.ca real simple i'll give you one more place to ask questions mydisabilityquestions.com the database of previously asked is searchable which is nice if not just type in your question leave it there it will get answered fully and uh, and completely but we're going to get to this understanding how insurers evaluate a claim again a topic people know nothing about or very little anyway so we'll see if we can shed some light on that but first albert uh, the week that was the case of the day pal what do you got for us yeah absolutely well uh I guess today's a good day because we just had a release come in, which basically means that my client's claim is finally settling. Uh, it's been a very, very complicated claim. Uh, my client slipped and fell a couple of years ago, and lot, lots of different parties that we ended up having to name. In any event, my client broke his hip, and one of the big central issues in this particular case was whether or not following the the breaking of his hip on the left side, whether or not that caused any injuries on his right side by virtue of him overcompensating. And we we fought, we ended up getting some experts to attest to the fact that my client's left hip injury was causing some of the right, uh, right overcompensation on his right side. And because of it, it actually caused a knee injury that he didn't have beforehand. And once again, I mean, we've talked about this on the show, but really what the obligation of the insurer in any of these personal injury cases is, is to put the person back in the shoes that they would have been had the accident or fall or anything not happened. And so that's exactly what we fought to do. And, uh, and it, we got a great result. The insurance company actually ended up paying for the fact that my client now unfortunately does have long-standing right knee issues which he didn't have before and what was interesting about this was the right knee issues didn't actually initially show up when my client fell all that happened was my client fell he suffered a left hip fracture had to go to the hospital of course very very significant injury but they kept disputing the fact that the right knee was not related to the accident because it actually didn't show up for about a year to a year and a half afterwards. And so this was a big fight for us. Uh, I'm glad that we're finally getting some resolution. The insurance company actually is recognizing the fact that the right knee is causally related to this particular fall. And it really just goes to show that just because an injury didn't initially happen right initially during the fall, it doesn't necessarily mean that it isn't related to or part of the accident. And so, I mean, we see this all the time. Really, we take a very, very holistic sense when we consider all the types of injuries that might be related to 
a particular incident or accident. And it's, it's really important just in this very sense that you always get a personal injury lawyer that is very experienced that is going to look at it in this very sort of holistic sense. Otherwise, you're potentially leaving money on the table. I mean, had we not fought for this, had we not retained an orthopedic knee expert mm-hmm. to say that this is directly related to this accident, even, even though it's, 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 it really only arose because my client was overcompensating, my client would have been left with probably less than $200,000 uh, $200, less on his particular settlement. Obviously. Wow, man. Yeah, it's very, very significant. So I, I'm very glad that we were able to get that orthopedic right knee expert opinion. But definitely, definitely you want to look at these cases from a very holistic sense. Man, anything to add here? Yeah, no, I mean, it's something that we come across all the time, and it's the topic of conversation, John, that you had mentioned at the outset of the show with respect to how insurance companies look at these kinds of claims. I mean, as lawyers that deal with personal injury matters day to day, we often see insurance companies either uh, on purpose or not on purpose dismiss many of the injuries or consequences of the injuries that claimants have as a result of accidents. And so we often see insurance companies then hide that to a reduced compensation, saying that, as Albert said, okay, you suffered this injury, but the other injury that you're alleging is not actually because of this accident. And it's incumbent on us as lawyers to then make the case and rally the right doctors, the right experts, to ensure that the insurance company you know, understands what they're facing and understands that, no, that's not the case. And in fact, this person's injuries holistically from the beginning until the end are a result of this accident. Now, that's not always the case, right? Sometimes it's more difficult uh, you know, to, to make that case. That's okay. But it's important the insurance companies don't ignore it. It's important, it's important that your lawyer understands how to prove those yeah. subsequent injuries, subsequent losses. Again, guys, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at disabilityrights.ca uh, to reach out any time to Alberts and Savannah and their respective teams. Always, uh, as we say, ready for a chat and uh, give you some information. Cost you nothing. It'll take a few minutes. Okay, understanding how insurers evaluate a claim, Savannah. This could be a very busy and confusing topic for the uh, the layperson like me, who's not in in the law and a lawyer. But it may come uh, may come across as something I'm going to need and know about sometime, right? Absolutely, John. And this is important to understand, and this ties into what we just discussed in the case that Albert was mentioning. Here's the thing. You've been injured, or somebody you love has been injured. There is a claim that is then made, a legal claim, whether you're going after whoever owned the parking lot, where you fell, or whether you go after the person who hit you uh, in, in the car accident. You are dealing with an insurance company, and an insurance company is you know, an entity that looks at uh, what it is they're going to have to pay you. And of course, they're seeking to pay you as little as possible, perhaps even nothing at all. And how do they do that? Well, they're, they're, the process by which they're doing this is, is by looking at documentation, looking at anything they can to evaluate the entirety of your claim. So they look at things like, what are the injuries that you've suffered? They're looking at how severe are those injuries? I mean, you can be suffering a fracture, but that fracture perhaps has not impacted your ability to earn income. Right. So, right. you know, they're looking at what do they have to pay you for your pain and suffering, but perhaps what they don't have to pay you for income loss because you haven't suffered any income loss. They're looking at other things, too. They're looking to see how quickly did you seek medical assistance, right? If you waited a week after your accident to go to the doctor, 
in their minds, in the insurance company's mind, they're thinking, well, how serious could this have been if you waited a whole week versus going to the hospital or to the medical clinic right there and then, right after the incident? They're looking at other things too, John, looking at treatments. What kind of treatments have you, you know, been prescribed? Did the doctor just say get a massage once a week because of your injuries? Or did the doctor say go to the brain injury clinic because you're going to need significant treatments going forward? There are many things insurance companies look at, and we're going to go through a few other items here. here. Here's the reason why this is relevant. The insurance company is going to put money aside. They're not going to tell you this, but they're going to put money aside to resolve your claim in the future. Not because they want to pay you that money, because they are assuming that you're going to make a legal claim for compensation. And so they want to be prepared. They have an obligation to their shareholders. They have an obligation to the company as a whole, to the board, to make sure that they take into account any potential claims that may arise. The biggest mistake that people make when they're dealing with insurance companies, John, is they don't understand that insurance companies are economic financial entities. They're not good. They're not bad. They don't care about you. They don't care about anyone except their shareholders, about their bottom line. And to do that, they have to figure out what do they have to pay out? How can they minimize what they have to pay out? So they're always evaluating. They're looking at not only your injuries. They're not only the severity of your injuries. They're looking at you as a claimant. They want to understand. Uh, they'll do social media searches on you. They may even hire private investigators to do surveillance to figure out if you're as injured as you say you are. They're going to look at what your doctors are saying. They're going to look at what the experts that your lawyer has retained. Albert mentioned an orthopedic surgeon that he's retained in that case of his. We hire experts all the time. Why do we hire these experts? Because we understand that insurance companies need this information. And if we don't give them this information, if we don't show them how serious our clients' injuries are, they're not going to pay our clients where our clients are owed. But listen, we're not relying here on the good faith and goodwill of insurance companies, okay? Insurance companies are not charities. We, when we start legal claims against insurance companies for these significant injuries, it's because we understand that if the insurance company says no, 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 we're going to press forward until they say yes, 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 or until a judge tells them they have to pay. So it's really, really important. The last point, John, is it is absolutely crucial to the evaluation of your claim from an insurance company perspective, who your lawyer or your law firm is. And I can tell you this as somebody who's used to work for insurance companies in the past, insurance companies do evaluate your claim in the context of who your lawyer is. The higher the reputation is of your lawyer or the law firm that's representing you, the more money most likely they will put aside to resolve your claim. If your lawyer, however, is an unknown, if your lawyer has no experience, if your lawyer is known as somebody who just sells out claims and settles them for, for, for nothing, well, then chances are the insurance company is not going to take your claim seriously and they're mm -hmm. going to pay you much less than otherwise they would if you had a good lawyer and a good law firm with a good reputation. We have more to cover, but we got to get into a short break, guys. We'll do that now. In the uh, in the meantime, here's the number to reach out to Savan or Albert anytime. one 821 5900 Email help at disabilityrights.ca. This is the Disability Law Show. It continues right after this short break. Hang on.
The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio. This is the Disability Law Show. All right, welcome back, Disability Law Show. Thank you so much for uh, for hanging in here on this Friday evening. Anytime you want to reach out to Savannah or Albert, here is that number. Again, one 855 5900 help at disabilityrights.ca. By the way, if you just go to disabilityrights.ca, the firm website, it'll take you to the media page and you can catch a past episodes and current episodes of our long-running TV show as well, disabilityrights.ca. Okay, email time, guys. Dina writes in, says, uh, Hi, gentlemen. Last week, my father was at his local grocery store in Brampton and fell because he slipped on liquid in the cleaning items aisle. He had several bruises on uh, to his back and broke his left hip. He's 62 years old and just three years away from his retirement. The problem is that he now needs surgery for his hip, and the doctors are saying that he would likely have difficulty going back to his work as a mechanic. So I'm just wondering if the store is responsible for this, and what should my father do? When I spoke with the store manager, he told me that the spill wasn't there an hour earlier when they checked the aisle on their hourly inspections, but this was a Sunday and the store was very busy. Shouldn't there have been, uh, shouldn't they have been checking more frequently? What do you think guys, Albert? Well, Dina, uh, you're, you're definitely thinking like a lawyer and that's great. And obviously you're looking out for your father. It's very unfortunate that he fell. Very sorry to hear that. Uh, I mean, from a liability standpoint, which ultimately means who's at fault, absolutely 100% you are right. There should have been more frequent inspections during this time. It was a busy Sunday. Uh, There's elderly individuals that are attending the grocery store, which ultimately means they do have an obligation to take more care for their patrons. Clearly that wasn't done, and who knows what would have happened had there been 15-minute inspections, 10-minute inspections, had they put wet floor signs. We don't know what else they did, but... Generally speaking, when you do have elderly patrons or when the store is busy, you do have a higher obligation to make sure that you're looking after your patrons. So absolutely, they should have been checking more frequently. Savan, anything to add? Yeah, I, I agree with you absolutely here. And I'm just thinking in my mind as you were talking, you know, I was at the grocery store this morning, the, my local one here. And I have about three or four of them really close to me here where I live and they're not large stores. I mean, even the uh, superstore that we have not far from here, where I go there all the time, ultimately it's not that big. Uh, you know, and they have a lot of employees working there. To say that you've had an inspection um, an hour ago, I mean, there must have been employees running in and out. There are people stocking shelves. There are individuals all the time. Maybe somebody, there's probably, it's actually very likely that somebody may have even reported this, you know, to customer service. Typically, that's what I would do if I saw a spill on the floor. I would tell them, you know, clean this up or put a sign up. So Albert's right. In a case like this, liability or fault is the first question we ask here. Are they at fault? Now, when we start a legal claim for a slip and fall like this, uh, we are going to get the records, the clean records, the cleaning records from the insurance company. We're going to get their policies and procedures. We're going to understand exactly what they had in place generally and the day of to figure out if they did what they had to do because this now caused this man a serious serious injury this is a hip fracture this is not something he's ever going to get over uh this is something that's going to be with him for a long time and maybe he'll need revision surgery down the road he may have mobility issues 
So liability here, in my mind at least, I agree with Albert, I'm not going to say it's clear cut, but I'm going to say most likely, Dina, your father has a very strong claim against the store here, which means their insurance company is going to pay up. Now, here's the question. How much are they going to pay up? This is the second question that we deal with when we're dealing with a personal injury matter, dealing with a slip and fall. So the first question is liability. Who's at fault? We have to do an analysis there. Once we get over that, then damages. What are the injuries? What are the losses? Well, the injury here is a left hip fracture. A left hip, a left hip fracture, just give you an idea, John, so we have numbers. Typically, yeah. for compensation, you're looking at $80,000, $90,000, $100,000, maybe even more than that, depending on the severity of the fracture, depending on the impact on the person's life, etc. But that's just for pain and suffering. Remember, he's 62 years old, Dino writes. He's a mechanic. Uh, he may not be able to go back to his job or he may not be able to earn as much at his job. He may need modified duties, modified hours. Maybe he'll need to retire altogether. Let's do quick math here. Let's say as a mechanic, he's earning, I don't know, $60,000 a year. I'm just throwing a number out there, okay? Let's say he can't work now for the next three years. He was going to retire at age 65. Again, just hypothetical. 60000 times three years, just his income loss alone is going to be $180,000, Add to that the compensation for pain and suffering, let's say 100000 we're now at $280,000. But, but, but wait, we're not, there. we're not done. What about treatments? Does he have benefits at work? Maybe he's going to need more treatments that his benefits allow for. Maybe he'll need, I don't know, $5,000 extra per year for the next five to 10 years for whatever he needs, physiotherapy or massage or chiropractor, acupuncture, whatever, whatever he requires, whatever his doctors say requires. Add that up. But what about his family members? Again, it, you know, it goes on and on, right? I mean, does Dina now need to help him around the home? Do they need to hire someone to help him? I've had cases, John, where a person, an elderly person, got injured. Again, no fault of their own. Someone was negligent. And as a result, they had to go to a home. They had to leave their house. They had to go to a home. And now that home, right, that per, that place where now they're, they're going to, to live for the next 10, 20, 30 years, Cost three, four, five thousand dollars a month. Wow! Do wow. the math on that for the next ten years. This is why I'm saying, Dina, a case like this, your father is owed significant compensation, and you have to be very, very careful, as Albert said uh, or alluded to, to deal with the uh, uh, grocery store directly. And this is something that people do all the time, John, because they're afraid to reach out to lawyers because lawyers have this reputation out there of being aggressive, of being in it all for themselves. I understand that completely, which is why I'm saying you can always just go on our website, get the information you need. You can go on mydisabilityquestions.com, post your questions if you don't want to reach out to us. The thing is this, we just want to give you the information you need, you and your family. If at that point you feel comfortable, you want to speak with us directly, we'll make an appointment, we'll come to you, you'll come to us, whatever, whatever you want. We'll do Zoom and we'll give you, your father, the whole family, all the information that you guys need to, to, you know, so that you can figure out what the options are, so we can tell you what the options are, so you can understand what the compensation is that you're entitled to, your father's entitled to, your family's entitled to, and then you can make a decision together how you want to proceed. But please don't sit on this. You did the right thing emailing to, you know, emailing us. And John, I, I want to tell everyone else out there, this may not apply to you, the listeners. It may apply to someone you know, could be a friend, a colleague, a family member. If someone is in need of help, of information, whether it relates to personal injury or a long-term disability claim, an employment law claim, we deal, we deal with those kinds of things as well. 
Our lawyers are here for you. We'll give you all the information you need. I know we got about uh, two minutes left to go, guys. But Savannah, it's often a case of even before they reach out, there's a there's a certain intimidation factor there as well. You know, we've talked about this for years. You know, the big bad insurance company, David and Goliath, use whatever expression you like. But people just really got to listen into what you're saying and try to get past that and make that call, right? They do absolutely. Yeah, there's intimidation. There's also there's also this fear. Uh, and I'm not going to say it's an irrational fear. It's a no. fear, nonetheless, of dealing with an insurance company because you believe that the insurance company is this huge company, which they are, with billions of dollars, which they have, with an army of lawyers, which, of course, they have. But here's what most people are missing, John. These insurance companies have made all that money not by fighting legitimate claims. In fact, that's where they lose money. When I used to do defense work years and years ago, when I started my legal career, I can tell you insurance companies gave me very strict instructions, not only to settle a case, but to minimize what I was charging them. They hate paying their lawyers. They hate it. And so when you bring a claim forward against them and they understand that the injury is serious, they understand that you have a good lawyer, trust me, they're going to come to the table and they're going to try and settle with you because they have no interest in prolonging the pain for themselves. It means that they're going to have to pay more money. I I often refer to it as they are bleeding money by paying their lawyers to defend the case that they're going to have to pay anyways in the future. The key is to approach them the right way. The key is to understand all aspects of the case and to make sure that we do everything correctly from day one. And that's the mistake I often see people make is not doing that from day one. It's just waiting, 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 hiring the wrong lawyers and then getting into a mess and then not knowing how to extricate themselves out of it. So do yourself a favor, do the right thing, get the right information, do your homework. Again, we're here to help you. We've been doing this for years across three provinces in Canada. And you know, as you put it, John, we have a lot of positive reviews on Google and it's for a reason. And with that, guys, we will wrap this sucker up for another Friday. Thank you for uh, paying attention for the last half hour. You're thinking, okay, I get it. Now I want to reach out to Albert or Savant. How do I do that? Give it to you one more time. one 855 821-5900. I lied. That's twice. But I'll give you the email as well. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And any further questions, you know this website, free, anonymous, mydisabilityquestions.com. We'll catch you next time on the Disability Law Show.